information you can trust, stories you can relate to, and tips and tactics you can apply on your next adventure. Hunting, fishing, camping, and everything in between. This is the Battle Mountain Podcast. Today, I have a friend of mine that I met actually at Train to Hunt Nationals, and that is Charlie Pappas. I, I hope I pronounced your last name correctly, Charlie. <laughs> Close enough, Pappas. <laughs> Pappas. See, already messing up, and we're 27 seconds into the recording. <laughs> It's a good one. It gets butchered all the time, so you're good. Yeah, you know, uh, ironically, my my name gets butchered a lot, and it's just Harold. But the <laughs> the E, the E rather than the A, messes a lot of people up for some reason. Um, a lot of people want to say Harold, but huh. but anyways, Charlie, I I really appreciate you know hopping on the podcast this morning before you head to work and I head to more podcast recordings and dentist appointments. <laughs> I truly appreciate the opportunity. I'm looking forward to uh, catching up with you for sure. Yeah. Well, thanks a bunch. So, um, Charlie, why don't you kind of tell everybody a little bit about your background and kind of when you got started into archery and what what really kind of spurred that to, you know, sparked your interest in archery? Yeah. So, a uh, little bit about me. Um I, uh, I didn't get into hunting. I got into hunting late in life. I'm, I'm only 33 now, but I didn't start hunting, uh, really until about 2012. Uh, I grew up in an incredible, uh, I guess part of the country to hunt in. I grew up in uh, Steamboat Springs, Colorado, uh, but was primarily focused on athletics growing up, uh, football and skiing and ski racing. And, uh, I had my father hunted a little bit, uh, and had been on a few elk hunts, uh, back in the seventies with his buddies. And, um, I did a little bit of small game hunting, uh, but never really got into, uh, hunting growing up. And, uh, after college, um, yeah, shortly after college, when I graduated, I had the, uh, had the opportunity, um, to go hang out with some guys, uh, at hunting camp one year while they were hunting. And, uh, I was like, man, I, I, uh, I got to draw a tag next year. I got to make this happen. So I, uh, picked up an over the counter or, or leftover deer tag the following year. And that would have been in 2012 and, uh, went out and was able to, you know, was able to shoot a buck, uh, with a rifle that year. But the whole time we were rifle hunting, the guy that I was with, a really close friend of mine, he couldn't stop talking about archery hunting and how much warmer it was because we were hunting, I think it was late October that we were hunting. Uh, it was freezing. It was snowing. Uh, a lot of sitting around. There was no, nothing vocalizing in the woods. And he just was talking about, you know, the fall colors, bull screaming, uh, perfect weather. And I just, I was like, man, you know, you let's enjoy this moment. Let's talk about archery later. But, uh, he, he just got my, he got my mind spinning about archery. And, uh, at, at the time I was living down on the front range and, uh, I didn't know anybody that was into archery other than him. And I didn't really have any guidance. So, uh, I did the most logical thing. I went to the nearest pawn shop and bought a bow <laughs> off a of pawn shop, uh, which is, 
the world's worst thing to do because um, the pawn shop guy, he didn't know anything about it, but it was the latest and greatest. If you asked him, I think it was probably a 12 at that time, probably 12 year old Matthews. And it was a right handed bow and come to find out later, most of the components on it were left handed. Like the quiver was left handed, mounted upside down. There was uh, none of the arrows were cut to the same length. None of them weighed the same, um, all sorts of issues with the bow. Um, but, and then as far as learning, learning archery, uh, I did what most men would do. I went to YouTube, I Googled it and, uh, I started watching YouTube videos on, uh, just how to shoot. I had no idea even how to draw back a bow in proper form and, uh, had no idea where to begin. But once I got my bow, um, I bought a target and I would fling a few arrows in my backyard and I could get out to about 15 yards, but I wanted to go to the range sometimes. So I would drive past the, the range, uh, in Fort Collins where I was living at the time. And I kind of paid attention a couple of days to when people were there and when nobody else was there, because being an athlete all my life and, you know, being a fairly successful athlete, um, I didn't want to be the worst at something. I'm pretty competitive. And I would have never I guessed. To, <laughs> I didn't want to go to the range when there's like 15 guys who actually know what they're doing. And I rock up and I'm holding my bow upside down or backwards or, you know, doing something completely wrong. So I, I paid attention to the Rogerty range for a couple of days when nobody was there. And I showed back up at, uh, I think it was like 10 o'clock and when it was starting to get hot, but none of the guys were shooting in the morning and before the evening crowd got there. And I just started shooting and, uh, that following year, I picked up an over-the-counter archery tag and went out and uh, wasn't successful, but I was successful in the fact that I got into elk my first year and I heard uh, that that first close bugle when you're in the woods, it, it lit a fire that uh, is unexplainable, um, but it had me hooked and uh I was from there on out. I was, I knew that archery is what I wanted to do. Um, I, I knew that I would, you know, probably explore the rifle hunting a little bit more, but I wanted to figure this archery thing out. Um, and, uh, just started going down a, I guess, uh, a long road to get me to where I am today. And, uh, by no means am I a, a great hunter. Um, but I'm definitely a, consistent hunter and extremely passionate about it. So, um, I think it was the following year I went out and I shot my first bull and that was just a absolutely incredible experience. And, you know, that, that as a first time, you know, hunter harvesting an animal, you know, coming home to, I guess it was, she, my wife would have been probably my fiance at that time. I'm not sure if we were married then. Hopefully she doesn't listen to this cause I should know these dates. Um, but you know, just, uh, you know, have that feeling that you, you, I'd heard people talk about on podcasts of, you know, providing for your family and, you know, having your, you know, your own meat in the freezer and knowing where your meat came from. It was, it just, you don't really understand it until you actually live the experience and, you know, you pack, you pack an animal out of the woods and you go through that, that, uh, I guess that that mental test and physical test, it, it kind of changes things for you. And I, ever since then, I haven't looked back and I'm sitting in my, uh, in my truck right now, uh, with my bow case 
behind me and uh i've got a i've got a meeting at 4 30 at the archery range uh to shoot the 3d course this afternoon and i try to shoot every day um so i'm hooked you know that that's it i kind of laughed when you when you had mentioned um you know i i went out and bought one at the pawn shop and not not really because that's something that is so crazy to do um more so it's I think it's kind of where people sometimes look and, and I just, cause I mean, that's something that would come to my mind, you know, like, Hey, let's, let's go look how I can get into this and not spend two grand. Cause I want to make sure that I like it before I dive into this, this hole that I'm fixing to dig. Um, and you don't really realize that until you buy your first bow and then the site costs 300 bucks and you're like, that thing costs $300. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's astronomical. I mean, we, you know, we, we joke all the time about how expensive other sports are and, you think that, you know, you don't think hunting's very expensive until you, uh, I guess you get proficient at it. You start going into, you know, diving down different rabbit holes with different types of products and, you know, trying new stuff. And don't get me wrong. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that are extremely successful with, you know, uh, 10, 10-year-old archery setups. Uh, but for me, I'm, it seems like every year I'm trying to upgrade something to get the competitive advantage uh, in my favor. I need, I need everything in my favor to be able to make me successful in the woods. So yeah, I don't know what I've got. I I just got a fully, I just got a new setup this year. Uh, you know, built a whole new bow this year. And, uh, yeah, when I, when I checked out of the bow shop, I was, uh, I was kind of looking at, I thought there was a couple extra digits in there that I wasn't expecting. (laughs) And you walked out no longer married. Crazy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Luckily, I, I, luckily she gets it this time. I mean, my, my wife, she's extremely supportive and she, she understands. I mean, she, because for me, archery is more than just September. Right. Um, it's a, it's a year long process. It's, you know, I had one of the guys at work the other day was saying he saw, you know, Jocko, uh, Jocko willing posted a picture, uh, uh, at total archery challenge dropping like 120 or 112 yard shot. And, uh, he he's you know he follows Jocko from a leadership mentality and Jocko is promoting the sport and he said he wanted to get into it and you know my my first thing was you know yeah you should get into it absolutely incredible for hunting but more importantly for me it's therapeutic it's yeah it's it's usually how I start my day I'm fortunate enough that I've got uh, at my office, I've got a section of warehouse that I can shoot, you know, I can shoot 30 yards. And if I open the garage door, um, I can stretch it out to 60 and 70 if I stand in the road and make some people angry. Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I, I try to shoot my start, start my day shooting, you know, I mean, even if it's just five arrows, it's, uh, it just, it's an easy way for me to clear my head every day and start fresh. Right. And I, and I've noticed, you know, um, I, I, I definitely want to get into this year's setup and kind of, um, I want, I want to talk about maybe the first purchase of your bow, not, not necessarily the one that you got from the pawn shop. Cause I think that's a very, honestly, a very normal place to start. And, and I think pe- I just want to caution people cause very, you, you definitely hit the nail right on the head when you mentioned the 
problem wasn't really maybe so much in the equipment. The problem was more in the person selling the equipment because they just don't know what it is that they're selling you. They're just trying to make money. And definitely, I would just caution, if you know of this this search engine, it's called Google, um, <laughs> go ahead and like search Archery Pro Shop or Archery Shop or something like that in your area. And... And, you know, for anyone out there that is interested, and at least when you go there, you could say, hey, look, I just want to test some stuff. And chances are they'll let you go there and shoot quite a few arrows for free. And then at that point, at least, you know, when it comes time to purchase something, you can say, hey, here's my budget. What can I get in that budget? And they'll probably they might try and talk you up. It's they're running a business, too. (laughs) But at least then, you know, it's like, hey. Um, this is going to be helpful because I've done the exact same thing, Charlie. I, I went and I looked at all these bows in the pawn shop and I started asking questions and it was like, well, that one probably worked for you. I asked a question about the next one. Well, that one probably worked for you. <laughs> and I'm just thinking to myself, well, man, all these bows will work for me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I can that, pick from any, any one of them. Any one of them, and I'll be able to go hunting. And then I don't remember what happened. Uh, I started, because uh, I actually got started when I was 12 in 4-H archery. Um, so growing up, the, you know, that was something that, that the, the coaches, <clears throat> luckily when I was there, this isn't always the case in 4-H archery either. Not always do the people coaching it actually know what the hell they're doing, which in my opinion is kind of a little scary. It's like, man, these are the youth and we're not teaching them correctly. Like that's, that's a little sketchy. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I went there, I got very fortunate. I had some coaches that were super passionate about not only target archery, but hunting archery. So that helped a bunch. But as I started getting older and progressing, it was just like, who in the hell do I talk about now? You know, that I, I had moved. Um, the The new coaches didn't know very much about archery. So I was kind of on the opposite end of it. Um, there was one lady there that actually shot Olympic archery that was only there once in a while, but the rest of them didn't know. So I'm like, okay, now it's time to upgrade the bow. What do I do? And so I just, like you, I was like looking at pawn shops. I was calling up and I was looking on the internet and I was like reading all these magazines. I'm like, now what do I do? There's like thousands of bows out there. Um, and then much like you I started shooting, I started getting in the community, and that opened doors to people that, that wanted to help just to help. And that's one thing I've noticed that's super cool about the archery community and the hunting community is, you know, if as long as you're not out there just being a jackass, it's honestly incredible um, how much people are truly willing to help. Uh, unlike any other um, sporting event or anything like that that I've ever been a been around i don't know about you but it's it's like a different environment you know yeah there's the whole i don't want them to go to my hunting spot or whatever else but when it truly comes to just like brass tacks helping with a bow man it's like it's crazy how much people want to help oh absolutely i mean i think i think i i guess i would i would say that uh we we all lie because we're never going to tell each other where we hunt and where the honey holes are but outside of that one lie, everybody's there to help each other. And the, the relationships that I've built through, uh, through archery, um, from what I would consider pretty high level people, um, 
is just it, it, it it's it opens you know it opens up so many doors and you don't get that like i've you know uh, for example through train to hunt uh i've met some people that uh, are kind of you know at the top of the game when it comes to archery and hunting uh some extremely successful guys and they they put their ego aside and they they kind of take you under their wings and they they go out of their way to make sure that you are, you know, you're progressing in the sport. I mean, I met, you know, I met Dave Baronio, uh, <laughs> through, through, through train to hunt. And if anybody's met Dave or knows Dave, uh, I'll probably say exactly what they would say about the guy. I mean, he is extremely successful, uh, when it comes to archery and hunting his, uh, animal knowledge and guiding experiences is extremely high level. When I met the guy, never talked to him before, never said anything to him. Uh, I was at my first train to hunt event and he just came up and gave me a handshake and told me what a phenomenal job I did. Um, that next year, uh, we linked back up and man, now we talk, I don't know, every week, sometimes every day, every other day. And it's, you know, uh, it's about life, but it's also about archery. It's about hunting. And, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. And, and to back to your point about, you know, where to go and find, find stuff. It's, I wish I would have known, I mean, to go back to me in 2013, you know, the one piece of advice that I wish somebody would have given me was, you know, just swallow your pride, put your ego aside and go, just go to the archery shop and it, to be completely honest, it took me going to several different archery shops before I found, um, the one that I felt was the most reputable and, and the best fit for me, uh, in my market. Um, but, uh, so many people, um, I've got a friend who, you know, wanted to get into archery and, you know, asked me what bow I shot and I told him the brand. And next thing I know, he ordered that bow off of some discount website online and thought he got a screaming deal. And sure enough, he got the wrong draw link because he didn't go to a pro shop to get measured or <laughs> if he, or actually, no, he did. He went to a pro shop, but he didn't go, you know, he, he didn't get, he, it, for whatever reason, it, it, it wasn't the right bow. And I'm like, you know, you're, you're now you're going to take a bow that you've ordered online go into a pro shop that sells that same bow and you're going to want them to fix it because you didn't buy it from them. And, you know, I mean, one piece of advice, if anybody out there is listening and thinking about getting into archery, thinking about upgrading equipment, is to just go to the pro shop and just be open and honest and talk to them. Um, you know, here in, here in Denver, there's a pro shop that, um, I highly, highly recommend, uh, no limits archery. And, you know, I met, I met, uh, phil mendoza the owner over there uh through his you know alpha bow hunting event and his whole his whole thing with his alpha event is is that is you know put your ego aside step up and and see how you can how you do head to head against other people so there's no opportunity no matter how good you are or how bad you are um to to kind of fill out a place everybody's kind of equal when it comes to those competitions and equal when you walk into the door to his shop and um i point everybody to you know to a pro shop don't don't turn there's some amazing opportunities for you to 
purchase stuff online if you know what you're looking for and you know what you need. But if not, you, you kind of need to go talk to the pros and let them point you in the right direction. And, and, and don't be afraid to ask. I mean, ask people at the range. Uh, you know, I, I, I've got a lot of friends that are getting into archery now and I try to find them somebody else of, of similar sizes, previous year's equipment. Cause you always have everybody who's upgrading every year. And there's a lot of used bows out there that are phenomenal that are going on Craigslist or, or being sold. And you can get into an amazing setup that's one to two years old for half the price of the new stuff. You don't, you don't always have to, if you're not sure what, you know, if you're going to enjoy archery, if you're going to, uh, if you're going to take to the sport, you know, there's, there's no harm in buying used equipment, but you just want to make sure you're getting the right stuff. And some of the guys at the pro shop will, you know, I mean, if I have something used, I'll go in there and say, Hey, do you know anybody who's looking for a, you know, a 29 and a half inch, you know, right hand 80 pound bow. And they can point me in the direction of somebody that stopped by that was looking and, uh, didn't want to buy new. So, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't speak highly enough about, you know, a pro shop and, and going there versus doing what I did and going to the pawn shop. I could have, uh, I could have really saved myself, uh, but <laughs> it makes, it makes for a good story at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And it, well, and what's, what's interesting is like I said, I, I, have looked at pawn shops. I know all a lot of other people. And so everybody out there listening, just learn from us. <laughs> yeah. Go, just go to the pro shop. Um, and you'll find it, you know, I mean, obviously You'll go in, you'll either click with a pro shop or you won't, and chances are if you live in some place like Denver, No Limits is an excellent pro shop, um, but I mean, there there are some smaller towns you might go there, you just don't really get along that well with the pro shop, so then go somebody else, you know, like, it's no big deal, but, you know, one, one thing that I, I really want to kind of dive into also is, um, I kind of want to talk about when you went to your first pro shop, and they set you up with a bow, and you got the bows and the arrows. I kind of want to talk a little bit about that setup and kind of compare it to what your setup looks like now and and kind of see how how things and equipment has evolved. Because um, while Whisker Biscuits may be a great rest, most of the time as you step up in archery and things like that, you're probably looking at something more like a Hamsky Pro Hunter or something along those lines. So I would just kind of like, I think it'd be really interesting to hear about your, your gear evolution, um, from when you bought your, you know, the bow at a pro shop to just this year when you bought your bow at the pro shop. Yeah. So where I'm at now and, and where I started, you know, the first, you know, I, like I said, I did, I haven't been in you know the archery game for too long, so it would have been. 2013 i think i bought one at a pawn shop so it would have been i think it may have been the following year or i may have given myself two years with a pawn shop bow uh, but the the guy that i went hunting with he shot a matthews therefore i needed to shoot a matthews which was a terrible mindset um it's it's you know it's you need to shoot what's right for you and i didn't know that at the time but i thought since he shoots a Matthews and he was pretty successful killing bulls. I uh, was going to shoot a Matthew. So I went into a pro shop and I kind of steered them. You know, they asked me what I was looking for and they measured me for my draw. And I just told them I was looking for Matthews. Well, that first year, um, that was the year that they came out with a no cam. And I can't remember what year that was. Um, 
but uh I, they came out with a no cam and that's the bow they got me set up with because that was the new model for Matthews that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't, we didn't really dive into what type of hunting, uh, what style of hunting, uh, any of that. It was, I wanted a Matthews and this was the new Matthews and that's what they were going to sell me. Um, to be honest with you, I don't remember what the rest was. I know that my first bow was, you know, was a whisker biscuit, um, that pawn shop bow. I'm not sure if that no cam had a whisker biscuit on it or not. Um, but it was a great bow. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I loved, loved it, but it wasn't, it wasn't the right bow for, for me. Um, it was more of a, what I would consider a whitetail style bow. Uh, it, it didn't have the, it didn't have the knockdown power. Um, when you got to, you know, 40, 50, 60 yards. Um, and I'm sure there's plenty of guys out there listening right now. that could say, yeah, you could have changed this, could have changed that. But for a guy green off the street going in and getting set up, it didn't have the speed it had a ton of arrow drop. And, uh, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't sold on it. So I shot that for several years. And every time I was at the archery range, I kind of paid attention to what other guys were shooting. And, um, you know, I would ask a lot of questions about, you know, their bows, their setup. And, uh, one of the guys that, uh, was at the range was talking to me was, you know, I told him I was looking for a new bow and the piece of advice he gave me, he was like, you know, I would consider it like, it's kind of like a, like a, like a bicycle or like a pistol, you know, you need to go try them all, shoot them all, ride them all. And don't pay attention to what name, uh, what color, any of that stuff just figure out what feels the best for you what fits the best in your hand what draws the best what's the most comfortable for you because at the end of the day it doesn't matter what the brand is um how it looks how much it costs how cheap it is how expensive it is or any of that it's what you're going to be most successful with um so i went i went from that no cam and i shot that for several years and then I won, uh, at trained hunt nationals. I actually won another, uh, Matthews. I think that was the vertex. Um, and I shot that, uh, wasn't overly in love with it. And, uh, I had been seeing, you know, uh, some people shoot prime and, uh, I went to the archery shop and I, uh, I shot the prime synergy hybrid. And for that, for whatever reason, that, that just clicked with me and it felt, uh, it it was, it was the, felt like, it felt like night and day from any other bow that I shot. And so I ended up picking that up, I think three years ago. And, uh, I shot that for several years. Uh, but I, again, I never really got proper coaching on shooting. All of my, all of my archery is, was learned from podcasts youtube um and watching people at the range and and people giving me points that pointers that probably shouldn't be giving me pointers and i listened to them because i thought i should and you know back there to, you know another, another piece of advice that i would give anybody getting into the sport is we it's crazy how much money we will invest in camouflage or a backpack or the latest and greatest boots, um, or a t-shirt with a logo on it that represents that you're a hunter. 
it's people spend so much money, but they won't spend the money to make themselves a better archer or a better hunter. And so skip the boots, skip the camo one year, maybe hunt in your last year's stuff or some Craigslist, hand me down, Goodwill, whatever it may be. Take that money and get some shooting lessons. And had I done that several years ago, I think I would have night and day success. Um, after last year, uh, I had, uh, I lost a bull last year and it just, it rocked my world. And I was fortunate enough, um, living where I do to have some amazing guys in the archery community and uh, a gentleman by the name of Henry Ferguson. Um, and if you don't know who he is, uh, his Instagram handle is big chief whack a buck <laughs> and probably one of the funniest guys I've ever met. I have a podcast uh, with him tomorrow. Oh, he is hands down one of the nicest humans I've ever met. He will go out of his way just to make sure that, uh, you're progressing in the name of archery. And, uh, you know, he, he reached out to me and said, uh, after my, after I took second at train to hunt and he said, let's, uh, let's get together and shoot sometime. And, you know, you got the fitness thing figured out. Let's work on the shooting. And then after I lost that bull, I kept thinking to myself, I've got to focus on my shooting. You know, I could, I could get on bulls, but I got to focus on my shooting. So I went and shot with Henry and he tweaked a couple things on my Ford, my shooting. And it, it, it came to light that I had been shooting an inch too short of a bow since, 2013 like draw length draw length wow wasn't my form my i was relying on shoulder strength uh and i was kind of letting my front shoulder raise up into you know kind of raise up into my neck and into my ear and i was using i was muscling my front arm well when i pushed that shoulder and that pushed that front arm forward and down and locked that shoulder kind of more to where it's a joint holding it versus muscles holding it it extended my draw length and then i'm you know i'm shooting i'm shooting a uh, a wrist rocket um uh, a trigger and i have i've played around with some other releases but i i haven't i have in my eyes i haven't graduated to that level yet it's let's let's perfect what i shoot now and then go from there um but i was i was shooting this index release with the tip of my finger and the tip of my finger, I was punching it. And, you know, Henry had me work on pushing my arm out, lowering my shoulder and wrapping my trigger to where I'm using more of the, the base of my index finger and actually using my shoulder blades and pulling through that shot. And by, you know, his five minutes on the range, giving me some coaching, it daylighted that my bow was too short. And the reason why I'm going down this, this story is, it got me to the bow that I'm in right now. Um, it was, I needed to, I needed to get to a longer draw length and the, the prime synergy hybrid that I was shooting in order to get it to where, uh, it would be from 29 and a half to 30 and a half. I was going to have to get new cams. Um, and I was looking at spending a couple hundred bucks and I knew that one of my buddies wanted to upgrade his bow and he would fit into that 29 and a half bow. So I, uh, I ended up selling him uh, my bow and uh, upgraded to uh, a prime. I got the uh, I'm shooting the black five right now in a 30 and a half with a 80 pound draw. 
and um i absolutely love it but second piece of advice outside of don't go to a pawn shop is <laughs> spend a little bit of money and, and go to your pro shop go to your pro shop and get get asked for some coaching you know see see who you know if, if they do lessons and if they don't do they recommend somebody um that can work with you and and there's plenty of people in the community um that are willing to give advice, I would just encourage you to do a little bit of research and make sure the advice you're getting is, is from the right people. Uh, and they truly know what they're talking about. But you know, that time spent with Henry on the range, it daylighted my shot. And so I ordered this new bow, um, fought with COVID through the summer uh, a little bit. It finally came in a couple of weeks ago and this thing is shooting lights out. And my, my grouping is, is progressed tremendously from, you know, those two little changes that he taught me. Um, and you know, I, I'd like to say that the bow plays into it too. Uh, I probably could have shot, I, I could probably get, you know, tight groups with that pawn shot bow now that I know correct form, uh, and shot execution. Uh, but no, I'm shooting the, the prime black five, 30 and a half, 80 pound draw. And it's, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, seeing how it does on, uh, on elk come come september it's got some knockdown power for sure that's awesome well you know it's kind of interesting that you mentioned the whole you know when you were at full draw your shoulder was creeping up into your neck and therefore your draw length was shorter um you know i i see there i see that and i see having an extreme bend in your shooter in your bow arm and not not you specifically but those are two things that i see um newer archers or kids um doing the most and i think especially a kid that is really worried about string slap um you I've seen parents or the 4-H coach or whatever um, say, okay, let's let's put some bend in that arm so that you don't have string slap, which, yeah, you want to have probably a very, very minimal amount of bend in your arm. But my gosh, if you're taking two and a half inches off of your draw length, you have too much bend in your arm. <laughs> like, it's, it's just too much. But the the shoulder thing, I mean, that's that's, I struggle with that even to this day, and I shoot a tension release, and I can notice, you know, whether I'm especially shooting like an uphill shot, or as I start getting fatigued from shooting, um, because my tension release, it doesn't go off until it hits a certain amount of tension, and if I'm pulling and pulling and pulling and my shoulder is creeping up and creeping up into my neck, then the release just never goes off, (laughs) I'm just like, pulling 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 and nothing is happening um so that is that that's a really good tip and pointer that you that you touched on there is you know pushing that front shoulder down and forward and kind of trying to lock it into the socket so that you're not like you say using your muscle to hold the bow instead you're using your skeleton um so i i would assume once once you kind of got you know henry helped you out and and you lowered that arm i would assume that that at full draw you probably just felt a lot more steady and a lot more solid oh i'm uh, yeah it's it's you know the way that you know I, I think it was henry explained it was it was like i need you to stand in that spot right where you're standing for five minutes don't move and it was you know something along these lines and i stood there and he looked at my knees and my knees were locked out and he's like, well, why don't you have your knees bent? 
because uh, I can't stand there for five minutes. When I, I can't hold like a half squat for five minutes, I'm going to start shaking. And that's kind of what it boils down to is, you know, it's, you want those, you want that shoulder locked down in place to where it's more of a rigid, uh, joint bone on bone, uh, versus these muscles trying to stabilize it. And it's funny. I mean, I'm, I, I'm a, I'm an athlete. I, I enjoy fitness. I enjoy training to hunt. Uh, I enjoy, you know, exercising and lifting weights. And I've always relied on my muscles, my, my large muscles to get me to perform. And it's, you know, one of the things that kind of, this is all daylighted for me is that I need to take a step back and focus on, on the little guys, the, the small, fast twitch muscles. And I actually went to, uh, I went to a physical therapist yesterday uh, for some shoulder issues. And, you know, she reassured me of this, that, uh, yeah, I mean, you can, I can squat, bench press, deadlift, run, do all those great things. Um, but it's, it's funny how they can make you look so weak with a two pound dumbbell or a, just a rubber band, uh, when you're using these small muscles, um, you know, and one of the things that, that is a big focus for me is getting, my shoulder strength, not, uh, not, I mean, I'm not saying dumbbell shoulder press strength. I'm talking small, fast twitch muscles and, you know, uh, Dan with elk shape, you know, I, I, I was fortunate enough to sit in on the, uh, the elk shape camp here in Denver. And one of the things that we did was, uh, cross symmetry training with, uh, basically, uh, therapy bands and working those small muscles and strengthening those muscles, and the gain that I've seen and being able to hold stable, uh, especially for those uphill shots or those long uh, that, you know, when I'm working on holding back, you know, as long as I possibly can to get ready for season, being able to hold stable and not getting that shake and not getting that, you know, that pin movement. Uh, it doesn't come from being able to bench press 300 pounds or squat this or squat that. It comes from these tiny little muscles mixed with proper form. And that's why if you look at some of the most successful archers out there, you know, they're, they're not big built people. They're, you know, they, they execute proper form and they train the right muscles to be able to hold steady. And, you know, just the, the, you know, the, the decrease in pin movement that I've seen from, uh, you know, the cross symmetry work from what Dan's given me to, the shot execution and technique that Henry's given me is, it's been, you know, it's, it's tenfold. It's, it's absolutely amazing. I'm, 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 I can't wait to, you know, get in the woods this year. I'm, my confidence level is, is increased tremendously when it comes to my shot execution. That's awesome. And that's, uh, that's, that's such a, a an overlooked thing. I mean, um, I, not and again like we've talked i'm i'm definitely not you know like the end all be all best archer in the world i'm no levi morgan but i've been shooting for a while and and that's that's something that i don't typically even think about you know i'm like hey let's go shoot the bow and and then go shoot the bow a lot and you know at at some point yeah if you're shooting hundreds of arrows a day you might you might be okay but little exercises and movements that you probably have never heard of um 
could be something to really elevate you or, you know, not you specifically, obviously, but could be something to elevate the listener to the next level and not get so frustrated with the pin not staying where you had it and all this other jazz. I mean, obviously, that can get into target panic and a bunch of other stuff that we aren't going to cover right at this moment. (laughs) But uh, maybe, you know, maybe on another podcast, Charlie, you and I could hop on and you could dive into some of the specific exercises and things like that, that, that you are doing to help with, um, mitigating bow movement. I mean, I think that would be a, I think that'd be a pretty cool podcast. No, absolutely. And I mean, I know that your audience, you know, you've got just target, target archers and hunters on here and, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, late in the day at a shoot or it's your fifth day in on a hunt, we all know that that shot opportunity that comes late in the day at, at a, at an event or comes late in a hunt, it feels very different. And for me, I'm not, I'm not a target guy. I'm a hunter. And so I need those muscles not to perform when I walk into my shop in the morning and grab my bow and I just set my coffee down and shoot. I need them to perform when I'm on the fifth day of a backpack trip. And I've just, you know, I've been chasing a bull all morning. My adrenaline's through the roof. My back is fatigued. My shoulders are fatigued. I've been hiking nonstop. I need to be able to execute that shot. And I can't rely on just shooting to give me the proper strength uh, in those muscles. So, yeah, I mean, I would absolutely love it. I mean, the person to do that would be Dan, but I would love to, I'd love to, uh, give you my two cents on it. Uh, by no means have I perfected it, but I think that, uh, with what little I've done thus far, I'm going down the right road to, uh, to improving my, my archery abilities. Well, maybe we'll just have both you on at the same time. And I think that'd be kind of a cool dynamic because he could talk about the, the exercise itself and you could then talk about the benefits of implementing it. Cause you've only been implementing it for, you know, not really that long. So that may be kind of cool. You know, another thing that, um, obviously we don't have much time left, but, one thing that I catch myself doing is once season starts, because um, you know me, I, I go out and I film hunts, and then I have a couple hunts myself, and my wife's hunt, and my I go on and I try and help my dad get an elk with, whether it be rifle or bow, and so once season hits, it's uh, it's pretty busy, <laughs> and I, I find myself not practicing very much once season comes in and um one year that really bit me in the butt and what i started doing instead is as soon as i would get off work or whatever else if i was going to go hunting that evening i would grab my bow and i would get it 60 yards and i i wouldn't leave to go hunting until i had the air the three you know i'd shoot one to three shots if the first shot was money i would go hunting if the first shot was garbage i'd shoot another one until i was like okay i actually feel good i feel warmed up i feel like if i see an animal in the next x amount of hours uh, i'll remember my shot process i'll go through it i'll do what i need to do to make that happen but that's one thing that i know is man is is season comes around it's like the target is like I, I don't even know where it went I lost it <laughs> I like, yeah I think I think everybody struggles with that myself included and you know what I would say is you know you're you're fortunate um to be able to have those 
you know, be able to put that, uh, put that target at 60 yards and shoot. Uh, I'm fortunate to have, you know, my shop that I can shoot in before work when, you know, when I get back out of the woods and I'm, you know, if I'm between hunts or whatever, I I'm shooting, but I would tell, you know, anybody listening that says, well, I can't always find time to make it to the range and I don't, I can't shoot in my backyard. I can't do this. I mean, you know, we, we just put the target in your living room, um, uh, <laughs> remove the electronics behind it, but just, just, I mean, even if you're shooting at five yards or at 10 yards, just going through that process yep. is something that, that you need to do. Um, yep. and it's funny, you, people, people will shoot so much all year long and then it comes season and then it's like, Oh, broadheads are on. Let's go. And they'll never put a field tip back on or they'll never shoot a target again until the season's over. And for me last year, uh, my fatal shot on an, on an animal during archery season wasn't until the last day of season. And had I not been shooting through season every time I had the opportunity to, I would have waited 30 days to fire my bow again with a field tip on there. Uh, that, that would have been a, you know, I took a, you know, I had a 50 yard shot and, um, it it would have been very different outcome. Um, and I probably wouldn't have taken the shot. I wouldn't have felt, uh, confident and I wouldn't have thought that it would have been an ethical shot. But I mean, even if, like I said, even if you can only get to 10 yards, um, or five yards, whatever it may be, just going through that shot process, is is amazing i mean if you you know if you've been doing your homework and you've been doing you know you've been putting the time in all summer you, you'll still get the groups you need um at your effective target range whatever that may be if that's 25 30 40 60 80 whatever it may be for you but just go through that process um uh, that shot cycle uh it, it's it, it's funny how on the fifth day of a hunt when you haven't drawn your bow back for five days how awkward it feels um, right. And Agreed. If, you if you haven't been doing it during, you know, during season and you're in the third week of season, that's going to feel, you know, that's going to multiply tremendously. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I don't know about you, Charlie, but you got me all fired up to go shoot my bow. Um, I'm going to head into this dentist appointment and then at some point today, I'm going to shoot my bow because <laughs> now, now I'm all fired up and I want to shoot it even more. Um, and I think it would be great to to sooner rather than later have you back on and, and maybe we can almost pick this conversation up exactly where we're leaving it off and start talking about the importance of shooting with broadheads and the importance of doing certain types of fitness to shoot better and hold better and then we can dive into um, the type of workouts that maybe you get into to help you you know chase archery elk in the mountains and and, uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate you taking the time out to hop on the podcast this morning though. Absolutely. Zach, I can't thank you enough. It's been a, it's been a pleasure to chat with you and, uh, um, you know, I, I, I look forward to getting back on and chatting with you again and, uh, get out there and shoot your bow today and, uh, let's link back up here soon. <laughs>